Let's pray together. Father, we come before you with delight, with joy. We come before you humbled that you are both the lion and the lamb. The ruler, the fighter, and the one who was slain for our behalf. Father, open our eyes as we get into the word this morning. Open our eyes to understand and to be moved. Father, we love you. Help us today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, today is the day before our 18-year anniversary at the church. It's also my wife's birthday. Yeah. 18 years ago-ish, I can remember standing in the foyer of our house and talking to Allison saying we have a church that we are a part of and we've never, at least I've never been a part of another church. Um, Allison's mom had just recently was divorced and she was the only one at the church so we were her family there. We just built a house uh, not six months earlier and moved in and saying we feel like we need to go. There was a position here for where teenagers were not uh, not being met with the gospel. And though everything around us looked like we needed to stay, we felt a calling of God to come. And I can't explain it to you. I can't tell you why we had that feeling other than the spirit of God moved in us and we knew This is where we needed to be. It was a calling that God put on our lives and we have believed ever since that that this is where we've needed to be. And there have been some hard times and challenges, but there have also been great confirmations of why he has called us here. And and six lives are changed this week. Not because we're here, but because we're a part of the work that we are doing here. And so there's confirmation of that we are doing what God has called us to do. And I'm grateful, church, that you have been a part of this and have affirmed what we have felt called to do. And there is an indebtedness to many of you who I look out and see. And look in your eyes. You've been a part of this for so many years. And you have made us know that this was the right decision to make. God is doing a work. This year we're reading through the Bible. If you're a guest with us today, uh, we're reading through the Bible together. Uh, We are in Isaiah now. Uh, We've read through, I think, about 17 or 18 books now. Uh, We are... um, I am thoroughly enjoying it. Uh, We have looked and and we've got a picture up here of the graphic of what the Bible is doing for us. It is a it is a lot of little stories, but it also tells a bigger story. And the bigger story that we've looked at is that God has created all things, that there was a great fall in Genesis chapter three. 
That there was a plan of redemption that has been worked all along. The Bible says that before the foundations of the world were laid, that the Lamb of God was slain on our behalf. The redemption plan was already worked out before the fall even happened. That redemption plan. And so now we're walking through many redemption plans all throughout the Old Testament. God is redeeming. God is redeeming. God is working. God is moving to bring us to the place where his people, the people of Israel, produce a savior that is not just for the people of Israel, but for the world. And then Jesus comes and establishes his kingdom. And this is the new covenant, which we haven't gotten to yet, but we'll get there. But God is working this redemptive plan for the kingdom to be here. And Christian, you are part of it right now. The kingdom of God. He is the lion ruling and reigning now. And we are a part of that. And Christian, when you die, you will go to be with God and Jesus will return and recreate, renew this earth into an eternal place where we dwell and rest with God forever for all who have repented of their sins and come into life. Somebody say praise the Lord, right? Well, this morning we look at the story of Isaiah. It's one of these These stories caught in the middle of some bad times. Uh, If you know the history of the people of Israel, there's ups, there's downs. And we've seen kings, good king, bad king, good king, bad king, good king, bad king. And we're in the stage of a, a letdown. And the people of Israel have abandoned their God. And so enter the man Isaiah. And Isaiah is one of the major prophets, not because he's a more important prophet, but because his book is longer. He's one of the major prophets, and and it's not in order throughout the whole book. It's a a book that has a, a general message. And Isaiah, the book of Isaiah is 66 chapters. Hooey. And and how many books are there in the Bible? There are 66 books in the Bible. Now here's what's interesting. How many books are in the Old Testament? 39 and 27, right? 39 and 27. The book of Isaiah for the first 39 chapters is a book of of judgment. It's a book calling out the sin of the people of Israel. And then when you get to chapter 40, there's this great transition of hope. Open your eyes. There's a light that's coming. There is salvation that is coming to you. And and every time I get to chapter 40, I picture Jesus standing there in the first chapter of Mark saying, repent for the kingdom of God of heaven is at hand. Repent. The kingdom's here. It's as if that good news transition happens just as it did in the book of Isaiah. Isaiah is a book that brings to the people a message to repent because there is a hope that is coming. There is new life that is coming. And this is almost plays out just as the scripture plays out. 39 books prophesying of that redemptive plan. And then the 40th book of the Bible 
is here is the redemption. It's here for you. Be saved from your sin. 700 years before that, we begin the book of Isaiah. And the sixth chapter of Isaiah is one of the most famous chapters of Isaiah. One of the most famous chapters of Isaiah. And it's about the call of this prophet to do the work that God has called him to do. Now, I don't find it an accident, but in this weekend and this day of celebrating for me personally, the call that God put upon my life to be here this week, I read the call that God had on Isaiah's life. And I'd like to share this with you because this is a a very special passage. It is one of power and uh, it it brings clarity to God's redemptive plan. So we're going to look at it this morning. Are y'all ready? All right. Isaiah chapter six, verse one. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting upon a throne high and lifted up. Who did he see? He saw the Lord. And how did he see him? High and lifted up. And the train of his robe filled the temple. And above him stood the seraphim. And each had six wings. With two he covered his face. With two he covered his feet. And with two he flew around. And one called to another of these seraphim. And what did they say, church? They said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. And what else did they say? The whole earth is full of his glory. We have a snapshot of the throne room of God. Now, throughout the scripture, there are several snapshots of the throne room of God. Uh, Ezekiel's going to have one, and we'll see that. Moses had one at the Mount of Tra- uh, sorry, at the Mount Sinai. And here Isaiah has one. And each time they get more and more descriptive of what's happening in the throne room of God. And Isaiah sees this image of holiness before him. And the train of his robe. It is a grand picture of a massive God who is glorious. Surrounded by unworldly creatures. That are praising God. And you can imagine seeing God and going, oh my, this is unbelievable. What am I seeing? And being overwhelmed. And in his overwhelming, he hears this echoing chorus. This repetitive chorus. Holy, holy, holy. Teenagers. This week, some of you viewed the throne room of God for the first time. Not with your eyes, but your spirit sensed the holiness of God. You were able to see the glory and the grandeur of a God whose the whole earth was filled with his glory. And your cry of your heart, we had people's lives changed because they looked and they said, holy, holy, holy is the Lord. And I have to do something about this. Christian, do you remember the moment when you saw the throne room of God with your spiritual eyes? Do you remember that? Do you remember feeling so inadequate? 
and humbled in the presence of a holy and majestic and a perfect God. Do you remember? Praise God. It is awe-inspiring. The whole earth is filled with His glory. Now, now this is something that sometimes we forget. Yes, God is on His throne. He is ruling and reigning from His heavenly throne. But He, the whole earth is filled with His glory. And, and sometimes we miss that. And we attribute His glory to other things like, oh, Mother Nature did this. Or, oh, it's, you were lucky. Or things just happened to work out. The whole earth is filled with his glory and his hand moving things daily in our lives. He is God. So the first thing I'd like to, to, to say, if you, if you want to experience God. If you want to be a part of the kingdom of God or the work of God, you must recognize first who God is. And friends, God is not just some distant being that started some stuff with a big bang. God is a holy God who has filled the earth with his glory and his evidence, as Paul tells us in Romans chapter one, and has shown and revealed to us Christian has revealed to you who he is. This is our God. Let's keep reading chapter four. And the foundations of the threshold shook and the voice of him who called. And the house was filled with smoke. And I said, woe is me. For I am what church? I am lost. For I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King, Yahweh, the Lord of hosts, Yahweh Sabah, that is the fighting God, the God of angel armies, the God of hosts. When Isaiah sees the God of hosts, the intimidating lion God, if you will, he is undone. Do you see his response? Do you see it? Woe is me. And I can see Isaiah falling on his hands and knees and covering his head and saying, Woe is me. I am lost. I am undone. God, I am, I am a mess. We may say that today. He sees the holiness and the grandeur of God and who he is becomes blatantly apparent. The seraph are around crying, holy, holy, holy. And Isaiah's response is, is not to cry out to God. It is to recognize who he is. 
If you're with us today and you've never recognized who you are, it's probably because you've never recognized who God is. I share this illustration. I've shared it before. Uh, When I went to buy my wedding ring for my wife, I went to a jeweler and they took these jewels out, these diamonds out, and they laid them on the table. And and what did they lay them on? They laid them on that black felt because they wanted the deepest contrast they could so that you would see the brilliance of that diamond on that table. Friends, when we come into the presence of God and we see the brilliance of God and the the shining glory of who He is spiritually, we see, I I see nothing but but a black cloth here that is undone. Woe is me, I am a sinful man. But I have seen the King. Isaiah's call, he recognizes, he sees who God is. Isaiah's call, he recognizes and he sees who he is. Let's keep reading. Then one of the seraphim flew to me, having in his hand a burning coal that he had taken with the tongs of the altar. And he touched my mouth and he said, Behold, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away. And your sin atoned for. I want you to notice there's nothing that Isaiah could do to help himself. What did Isaiah do? Isaiah recognized who he was. But God. But God. Who is rich in mercy. Because of the great love with which he loved us. Made us alive in Christ Jesus. For it is by grace you are saved through faith. And it is not of yourselves. It is the gift of God so that no one may boast. I know that sounds really new covenant because it is. But this is what's happening right here for Isaiah. He is a man undone. Woe is me. And the Lord sends his purifying Fire to cleanse Isaiah. Now, we up in the church this morning, right? And I think y'all can handle it today. There are no coals or tongs or seraphim today that we talk about as God's purifying fire. But we do talk about a purifying fire. And church, I want you to help me out. What is his name? His name is Jesus. If you're here this morning. And you've recognized that you've seen a holy God. You've recognized that you are undone. There is a purifying fire that can make you right in God's eyes. And his name is Jesus. And Jesus is the one whose blood has atoned for all of our undoneness. And he can save your soul. 
First John 1 John 1.9 says it like this. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Let me read that again. We talked about purifying fire. Let me read that verse one more time for you. If we confess our sins, if we repent of our sin, if we confess and turn away from our lifestyle of sin, He is faithful and He is just to forgive us of our sin and to purify us, to cleanse us from all of our unrighteousness. The coal in our calling into the kingdom of heaven is Jesus Christ and the blood of the cross. That is our coal. That is our cleansing. And there is no other. What can wash away my sin, church? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Let me keep reading. And he heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send? And who will go for us? Now, this is Isaiah's call. Isaiah has seen the glory of God. Isaiah has recognized his sinfulness in God's sight. Isaiah has been purified by the cleansing fire. And next... What does God do? God does not call him. The Lord does not call him to sit and do nothing. You see that? The Lord calls him and says, there's a purpose in my plan. There are bigger things than Isaiah. And he says, whom shall I send and who will go for us? Who will go for Father, Son, and Holy Spirit? Who will go for us? Who will do the work that I have for the work of Christ? Who will be the next part of the redemptive plan? And Isaiah responds. And what does this one who has seen the glory of God, who has repented of his sin and recognized his sin and repented of his sin? What does he say? He says, here am I, Lord. I'm part of the plan. I'm part of the mission. I'm part of the work. Here I am, Lord. Send me. Now, let me give you a few thoughts on this passage as I was working through it. God's redemptive plan does not stop with us. I have hopefully been able to communicate to us as a body that church is not a place that we come and then we leave. Church is a place where we come to be equipped, where we come to give unto God, and a place where we come to prepare the work to be done around us. The scripture has, has, if you read through the book of Acts, which we're studying, God did not call the church to, to be saved and to sit. But he called the church to labor in the fields for the kingdom. You see the evidence of that today, church. We see it. 
We see the evidence of that through the ministries that we do every week in this church. When souls hit that water in baptism and we see a recognition of the life that God has done. He has called Jesus' last words to his disciples were now go and make disciples. We are God's people for God's work. And he has given the word to, to us and for us. He's given the word to us to save our souls. To give us the image, the picture of the holiness of God. But he's given that to us and for us that we might be equipped to go and do what God has called us to do. And we see here in Isaiah's call, that's his response. Lord, send me. Yes, it's me, Lord. Send me. And so church, the reason you give regularly is so that that work is done in our VBS kids and in our teenagers and in our adults and in our ministries that we do regularly. This is why we do what we do. 18 years ago, Allison and I felt sensed very clearly the Lord calling us not to enjoy and sit and watch others do God's work, but to be a part of God's work. We are the called. You and I are the called. Do we believe that, church? Are, Are you willing to be part of that? Are you willing? And look, not everybody's going to stand on the, the, the stage and not everybody's going to lead a youth trip. Not everybody's going to teach class. We're all part of this, though. And it's not about everybody doing the same thing that somebody else is doing. It's about the Lord equipping and calling each of us to do our part. And that is the beauty of the church. Look, y'all know many of my weaknesses. And there are things that y'all need to do. Because I don't do them well. Many of y'all know Pastor Stephen's weaknesses. I sure do. And we need to do those things together. Christian, I I want to encourage you, if you are not doing something for the kingdom of God, please pray about that. Please pray, Lord, what am I supposed to do? Let me be purposeful here in what you've called me to do. We are the called. God has chosen you and called you for a purpose. It's all through the New Testament. Now, I hope that encourages you to think through what God's purpose for you is. But let me finish this message because there's more. But wait, there's more. A lot of sermons stop there. 
in this passage. But, but I don't want to do that for y'all today. Because there's more to this chapter and there's more to this story. Verse 9. Y'all still with me? I hope you got that first half. There's one more important thing that you need to hear. And as he said, this is, Isaiah says, Lord, here am I, send me. And then the Lord responds, go and say to this people, say to the people around you, say to the people of Judah, keep on hearing, but do not understand. Keep on seeing. But do not perceive. Let me say that maybe in a way that might. Might help you understand what's going on here. I'll say it in our vernacular. You're going to keep on hearing. But you're not going to understand. You're going to keep on seeing. But you're not going to perceive. You're not going to comprehend. And then the Lord continues, make the heart of this people dull. Make them hear the message so much that you dull their blade. If you have a knife and you, you keep hitting it on a rock, it's going to become dull. Make these people dull. Make their ears heavy. Go tell them the message over and over and over and over and over until they're sick of it. Blind their eyes so that they just tune you out. Lest they see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their hearts and turn and be healed. Did I read that right? Lest. In other words, in order that they won't. Lest they see with their eyes, hear with their ears, understand with their hearts, and turn and be healed. I want you to bring the message so clearly, so repetitively, so much, so that they don't even want it. So Isaiah responds in verse 11. How long, O oh Lord? That, that's, that's a crazy plan. How long, O oh Lord? And he said, until cities lie in waste without inhabitants. And until the houses are without people. Until the land is a desolate waste. And until the Lord removes people far away. Exile. And until the forsaken places are many in the midst of the land. And though a tenth remain in it, it will be burned again. Like a terebinth or an oak whose stump remains when it is felled. The holy seed is its stump. Oh, this is so good. Isaiah, you go bring the message and they will not hear you. They're not going to listen. And my judgment is going to come upon them. 
Because there'll be no more people in houses. There'll be no more people around. They're going to be taken away into other nations. They'll be like a tree that's been felled laying on the ground. Are you ready, Isaiah? And I want you to bring my message, my word, my redemptive message to them over and over and over. And they won't hear you. Now, just a few minutes ago, all of you guys are, I'll say many of you, were ready. You're ready for that call. You see God? You know you're sinful. You respond to God, here I am, Lord, send me. But, but I got to remind you, we live in a world that does not like Jesus. We live in a world that, that spends Billions of dollars so that you won't hear about Jesus. We live in a world that celebrates ideologies that suppress the truth of Jesus. You may be in a family where your parents don't want you to know Jesus. Or where your siblings want you to shut up about Jesus. Or maybe your spouse is tired of talking about Jesus. God's calling to the kingdom is a call into a spiritual realm and an understanding where you know Jesus Christ is the Lord. You know he reigns. You know he is the lion. You know he is the lamb. But it's also a call into being a messenger for that kingdom. A herald for the kingdom of God. And the call for us is not to a land where people are going to happy dance when we tell them about Jesus. It is a call to a world that needs to hear the message that Jesus saves sinners that repent. And when God does a work in their hearts and they respond to that message, we greatly rejoice. But it will be few and far between. That was the case for Isaiah. Guys, I can tell you after 18 years here, it's the case here. We don't baptize somebody every week, do we? Now, let me close with this last thought in verse 13. Most people don't finish this chapter. Oh, that was it. Uh, you can, I'll, I'll read from the beginning. This is why I speak to them in parables. Oh, no, no, let's go back. I'm sorry. Back to that last verse 13, Wayne. Verse 13 from Isaiah 6 says, And though a tenth remain in it, it will be burned again like a terebinth or an oak whose stump remains when it is felled. And look at that last phrase. Y'all read it for me. What's it say, church? The holy, the holy seed is its stump. It just talked about a tree being chopped down. That tree is, is the people of God. But y'all, there, there, is a, there is a, you can trace it through the old, old Testament, this seed. 
Back in, in Genesis chapter 3, when the fall happened, we talked about that earlier. The Lord talks about your seed will crush the head of Satan. Your seed, your offspring. In Genesis chapter 12, the seed is talked about as one who is coming. And the nations would be given to, would come through Abraham, through his seed. We're going to see it from when David in 2 Samuel 7 talks about the seed. We have it here right now in Isaiah chapter 6. The seed. You know, in Christian circles, we talk about this. Uh, we talk about planting seeds a lot. Y'all know what I'm talking about when I say I planted some seeds. Y'all know what I'm talking about, right? If you don't, here's what it means. It means you took some truth and you gave it out. You established it somewhere and you hoped that someone else would come and water that truth. And ultimately, we're hoping that the Lord give germination to that truth. We're hoping that life somehow comes out of that truth that we deposit. I'll give you an example. Just a few weeks ago, we had vacation Bible school. We established truth in the hearts of these young people. We planted seeds, praying and hoping that God would give the growth. Paul says it like this. I planted seeds, Apollos watered, but God gave the growth. So here's the the application I have for you guys this week. Y'all with me? Go plant some seeds. Here we have the seed of God, which is Jesus Christ being a stump But later we're going to see that a shoot will come out of that stump and a new kingdom will grow out of that stump. And and that's a prophecy to Jesus coming, that the shoot would come out of this dead stump that's been that's been felled. And that the kingdom of God would grow from that. We are the kingdom. So, church, let's go deposit some seeds. Let's go deposit Jesus wherever we can. And I'm not saying harass people, but I am saying let's go and get the message of Jesus where it's not. Let's go have conversations with people. Let's let's take on lies and be courageous enough to take on lies and say, but that's not what the scripture teaches. Let's have meaningful conversations with people. Look, one of the reasons why we had six decisions this week is because these guys, Pastor Stephen, our adults, were having conversations all week that meant something. Church, that's our job. Let's go plant some seeds because we've seen the holiness of God. We've recognized who we are. We've responded to the call of God because we've been cleansed. Let's go plant seeds in Jesus' name. That's our job, church. Let us go. Let me pray for us. Our Father, we have heard and seen the call of Isaiah this morning. We have seen our God in heaven. We have seen the lion who rules. We have seen the lamb. Oh God, lead us to what you have called and set us apart to do. Lead us, God, we pray. We ask this in the name of Jesus. Amen.